Welcome to the Clemson Dubcast. It is Friday, September 22nd. You're probably thinking we already had a podcast this week with Jeff Scott. Well, special guests and special occasions call for special measures. And we got to sit down with DeAndre McDaniel to reflect on his truly special weekend getting inducted into the Clemson Athletics Hall of Fame. At TigerIllustrated.com, we have plenty of coverage of the big game. Not as big as we thought it was going to be a few weeks ago, but still pretty darn huge. My good friends Blake Smith and Brooke Archenhold have been part of the podcast since the beginning, way back in August of 2018. They have an accomplished team of personal injury attorneys at Parm Smith and Archenhold based in Greenville. They are Clemson people, and their skillful attorneys have decades of experience in complicated litigation matters, taking a special interest in medical malpractice, nursing home abuse, and neglect car accident cases that have left the individuals involved in serious trouble. For a free consultation at Parm Smith and Archenhold, call 864-990-4581 or online at parhamlaw.com. That's P-A-R-H-A-M law.com. When you're ready for a complete renovation in your home or business, open the door to more with Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Their local experience team will totally transform any room space from beautiful floor coverings to construction to finished details. Harris handles every step of your renovation process, whether it's a kitchen or living room or an industrial or educational setting, like some of the positively stunning work they've done at Clemson University. Go to discoverharris.com and experience a total renovation transformation from Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Solero Communications, formerly known as Tandem Payment, is a full-service integrated electronic payments provider powered by leading-edge technology. Solero provides a wide array of merchant solutions, simplified payments. They make onboarding, taking payments, maintaining risk management and compliance, and getting support quick and easy. At Solero, they're all about helping you achieve sustainable growth as a business. Taking payments isn't the only thing your business needs. With Solero's solutions, you can manage inventory, sell products and services via social media, schedule staff, track sales, get reports, and much, much more. Find out more about Solero at solerocommerce.com. That's C-E-L-E-R-O commerce.com. Then, um, you know, D-Mac, I mean, you know, this guy, when, from when I first met this kid at Godby High School and where he was in life and what he had been, uh, what he had had to overcome in life uh it's amazing uh to watch him now it just it's just what it's all about and to see him being honored this way this guy loves clemson he's a really good coach too i mean he's a very very smart uh guy he really understands the game he's very respected He's, he's our senior defensive assistant now he brings a lot to the room that people don't even know um and um He's got a great future in this profession, but he's just—he's just—it's just been awesome to see him grow and mature. He's got his master's degree, you know. He's a, a great father. He's a great husband, and uh, you know, just a—he's just an amazing story uh, from where he was to having to go to prep school um, to trying to leave the prep school. I remember calling his grandmother, Miss Dot, and his godmom, Miss Kim, and I said, hang up on him. If y'all go pick him up, I'm never talking to you again, and this kid's going to be – he ain't going to make it. And, you know, they left him. They, they, they left him. They wouldn't go get him. And, you know, he hung in there, and it was the best. is exactly what he needed. And, and to see him now, uh, the maturation process of where he is, he just, he just, um, he just got a great story. And, um, you know, he's got an unbelievable perspective because of the journey in life that he's been on. And, and that's a big deal. It's a big deal for him to be recognized as a Hall of Famer. Um, so really happy for him. And, and again, it it's, means a lot. 
There's been a lot of great players come through here, uh, for sure. And he's, he's another one of those guys that, that's just always been – he's a Clemson guy, man. I mean, he's, he's unbelievably committed. I'll never, ever forget – Tim Beret can back me up on this. 2010, we, we lose that miserable game up there in Charlotte in the bowl game. Uh, we got six wins. And, and you know, D-Max a senior. He, he's, he's got a broken wrist. He's got he, – he, you know, he's got – he don't have a dog in the fight no more. And, and, man, he called that whole team up in the locker room and, I mean, got after them and challenged them. You know, it's my second year, and he, and he basically, paraphrasing here, and, Tim, you can basically said, hey, look, we're building something special here, and you guys need to stay the course. You need to listen to Coach Sweeney. You know, we're gonna, you guys are going to do this, 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 and this. And it was, a, it was a huge thing in that moment, you know, from a culture standpoint. And, um, and then the, the next year we won the league, right? And, and just, you know, built our program to the top of the mountain and um and we'll build it back to the top again but it but it takes leadership like that it takes um it takes you know great moments along the way um like that as well okay sat down with deandre mcdaniel yesterday afternoon and if you hear music in the background later on in the interview well that's because we were sitting sort of right beside the weight room over at Dabo land all right here we go enjoy Okay, joined by DeAndre McDaniel. Man, I've known you a long time. Yeah. Uh, covered you. Uh, been dominated by you on the basketball court <laughs> at noontime basketball where I didn't belong. Um, and now um, have the honor and privilege of talking about your Hall of Fame induction, man. Thank you. Or not thank you, but congratulations. I appreciate and thank that. you, I guess. That, What's this like for you? Oh, man. It's, I guess it's a dream come true. Um, I mean, honestly, you you really you, you play ball, but I you never really think about the Hall of Fame. You know, I, I think I guess you think about winning winning national championships, winning Super Bowls, and all those type things. But I guess Hall of Fame is just that 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 recognition to be like, okay, you did you did well, you know. And I I think for like my family and my my boys especially, my my daughter don't care at all, but <laughs> for my boys, they look at it and they they think highly of it you know so it's it's really big for me it's so funny i was just um i was interviewing jeff scott a couple of days ago okay sat down with him and he was like his kids they don't remember his time at clemson and so it doesn't mean as much right to them and so he was saying when when they came back you know he goes they go to lunch or something and people are all mm-hmm. walking up to him and his daughter savannah's like what is going on here? Yeah. You know, so that's cool. Like, it's been so, I guess it makes you feel old. It's been yeah, so long. No that you, did your kids have a, a notion of what you did? Yeah, well, my, 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 my boys, obviously I got two older boys that's older than my daughter. But, um, like, my daughter is the one, like, if someone walks up, she's asking, who is that? How do you know them? You know? And sometimes it's people I don't know, you know? So I really be like, okay, oh, they just know me from football or from me coaching or whatever. But, my, my my sons now that they're older they kind of understand it and they're I guess their friends dads or whatever tell them told them about me and so now my boys are starting to understand a little bit more but um at first it's always who is that who is this person why are they coming up to us you know but now they get it four kids four <laughs> yeah four. DeAndre Jr. Carson <laughs> London and Cross Cross tell me at the ages uh 
Deuce, well, my oldest, DeAndre Jr., call, call him Deuce. My, my yeah. granddad gave him that nickname. He always called him Deuce in the quarter. And uh, <laughs> he, he always called him Deuce in the quarter, so he, he gave him that name. He's 16. He's a junior in um, Orlando at Jones High School. Okay. And then uh, Carson, um, who's at RC Edwards, seventh grade. He's uh, 12 years old. Then we've got London, who will be seven here in a week. Um, should be seven in a week. And then that's my, that's my princess. And then you have Cross. Who's gonna be the toughest of the bunch? But he's uh, he's two. Okay, and I've seen you like out on uh, ninety three putting Carson through like boot camp and stuff, like running. Uh, tell me, tell me what. Yeah, so so I I love to run. Yeah. Um, and one thing I don't allow him to do right now is lift weights. You know, I've, I'm 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 real firm on that. Like, there's no reason for you to start lifting right now. You could do all the calisthenics type stuff you want to do, but as far as like lifting, I'm not gonna allow that. But I run a lot, and uh, he was like, "Well, if you don't lift me, let me lift weights. Let me run with you." And I'm like, "I've run too far, you know." And he was like, "I don't care. I just want to run with you." And I'm like, "Okay, well, maybe this, you know, there's a bit time for me to get him out yeah. here, you know." I'm like, "I'm going like six miles today, so you're probably gonna be hurt. We're gonna have to walk a lot, I'm trying to scare him away a little bit so I can kind of get a run." But he ran and he ran the first three miles with me, nonstop. And I'm like, "Okay, you know." We could we could start doing yeah. this, you know. So we kind of created a little bond with that, and then there's also a little time for us to just talk about life too. You know, when you get out there on the runs, you start talking about everything. So it's kind of kind of a moment for him to kind of open up to me, me to open up with him. You know, just adrenaline going. You know, so it's just fun moments with him. You, have you run for a long time, long distance? Um, I've been running. I, Thomas Austin is who got me back into it. Uh, his first stint here mm-hmm. before he left to go back to Georgia State, and. Um, I used to hate it, but then I started getting into it, and it felt so relaxing. And like I say, it just helps my mind. You know, that's when I'm out there, and I'm in the open by myself, and I just could think and relax a little bit. And I got used to it, you know, and now it became habit, you know. So now I try to get at least two, three miles in a day. Really? Oh, at, yeah. What time? In the morning? At, at lunch. At lunch? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. No more NTBA? Nah. Now, if we have NTBA, I run in the morning. Okay, so yes. you're still doing some some, oh, yeah. some of the noontime basketball. We we probably play once or twice a week. You know, okay. Wednesdays is normally our day, so we played yesterday because uh, that's when Coach Sweeney don't have interviews. So he'll get out there <laughs> and he get to play with us on Wednesdays. So that's like a mandatory day. Is he still uh, not passing? Oh, he he he, he scores. <laughs> 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 yeah, he definitely scores. Yeah. I want to I want to hear how did you how did you first hear about the Hall of Fame. Who told you? When, um, when was it? Well, I didn't. I didn't find out until um, team meeting. Um, so this this happened during. I think it was camp. We were in a team meeting, and um, it was. It was <laughs> Coach Sweeney was talking. He. I guess it was like a surprise. He was like, "Well, I don't think y'all know any of the guys. We former players. We got on staff. You know. So we're gonna take days to kind of talk about these guys. You know. So y'all can understand who y'all who's coaching y'all. You know who y'all dealing with every day." And uh, he was like, we'll do a few of them today. So I'm thinking in my head, like, this is about to be a long meeting. Like, if he's talking about me, you got to talk about Daquan, James Davis, CJ Spiller. Like, <laughs> this thing is Take about to lunch. get long, you know. <laughs> and um, then he kind of broke broke that out, and it was more so a surprise, you know. And he showed my highlights, and so he started yeah. with me, which, which was shocking because I'm like, you got CJ Spiller them in here, so I don't think he would start with me, but – then when I, I seen them on the side, I was like, okay, I kind of get it, you know. And then he broke it, broke the news, but it was it was it was fun. Is it emotional? It it is. 
Um, but once again, I think it, it's it's more so from for me. It's more like gratitude, you know, just just enjoying the process. Um, it it is emotional, um, but I, I think I take it in now. It's like job well done, you know. Yeah. Like play here at Clemson, and they appreciate what you what you did for them, you yeah. know. And I just look back on all the all the people that I met here, all the friends, the relationships I built here, you know, like that's what I look at now, you know, so. So the, I know years ago the Hall of Fame ceremony was on a Friday night. Friday. Same deal mm-hmm. now. Friday night. So you'll be excused from the team hotel duties, I guess. So I'm excused every week. Oh, oh that's right. <laughs> Y'all stay home now, I guess. I guess a couple of years yeah. ago. So so every, uh, the, the, the married guys don't have to go to the hotel, you know. He, it's good. He, he he lets you come to the movie. So if it's a good movie, I always go get popcorn and icy and dress up just to go back home, yeah. you know. But um, outside of that, you know, he, he allows us to stay home on Friday night and just get in early and get ready for recruiting. Yeah. You know, so that that's our biggest thing. We get ready for that Saturday. So who who will be uh, around you coming for that um and, and will 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 coach Sweeney be there too i, um, I assume now i don't know if coach will be there uh cuz he normally goes to the hotel yeah. um and the event starts at 7 and i know our bus leaves here at 5 mm-hmm. um now i know my my grandmother and my godmom and all all of those my Tallahassee people their mm-hmm. family they'll be up mm-hmm. um but outside of that i don't know who will be there around here you got to give a speech I think I do. I think I do. I don't think it has to be long. It'll be yeah. kind of quick, but I mean, I'm, I'm prepared for it. You know, you know, I, I, could, I feel like I do something like that from the heart. You know, so just appreciation. Nothing written down. I, I don't think I really need it. You know, yeah. I think when, when you you have the memories that you have and you've you've lived the life that you want to live and you could talk about your your fun times your mistakes and all those type things i think it could come pure from the heart Mm -hmm. you know i think when you when you write something down you start thinking about certain things and then you're like oh i forgot this because i wrote this down well i don't want to put that on my on my plate to where i i try to remember things you know like off off of paper yeah because i think i've created enough memories and fun times to where i could speak it from the heart yeah uh, Coach Sweeney just said the other day um, that you have done an amazing job of overcoming uh, in your life, mm-hmm. um, and he alluded to your to your life story, which I don't know the particulars of. So if you're mm-hmm. if you're okay, I'd like to sort of dig some of that back up and yeah. just just all that. Yeah. Um, I, um, I know Tallahassee, of course. Most people most yeah. people know about that. Um, your grandmother, Miss Dot, mm-hmm. godmother, Miss Kim. Mm-hmm. They basically raised you. They raised me. Okay. They raised me. They'll both they'll both be here this weekend. Um so born and raised Tallahassee. Um my grandma took me in third grade. Um my mom a lot of the mistakes you know, growing growing up it was heavy on me because it was like, okay, a lot of this stuff she was doing, I kinda of felt like maybe she was doing it for me, you know. But then now that I'm older, I'm like, Okay, that's just an excuse I always gave but um Mom was in and out of jail. Dad obviously had a another family, but um, I don't I don't hold him accountable for any of that. Him and my mom went together. Um, so my grandmother took me in. She raised me. She raised me and me and my little sister, and then ended up taking my little brother in as well. Once his grandmother on his dad's side passed away, um, so um, 
she she's the one who's been behind me 110%. My godmom has also been there um, since since day one. You know, so anything I needed, any extra help she could give, because she has two boys. My my brothers, CJ and BJ, who obviously I consider my brothers. They say god brothers, but those are my brothers. Right, raised raised together. Everything we did was together. Um, so they'll be here as well. Um, but yeah, trying trying not to get emotional about yeah, it. Man. But um, yeah, I mean my my godmom, she um, she did what she could outside of her two boys. My my grandmother, she gave everything she could, you know, um, and I mean anything. I mean when it came from me selling stuff um, at Gabby, you know, like for like donations for football uniforms and all that type of stuff. Like even those things, like I remember, like I was always the leader in everything, mm-hmm. you know, because she'll take stuff to the hospital and like all these people buying stuff. Like if we selling Valdea onions. <laughs> Every year I'm gonna be the leader in Valdea onions, you know, because mm-hmm. my grandma's gonna make sure I got enough sales to get what I need to get, you know. So she made sure everything was taken care of, you know. So that that's my rock. Is that your grandmother your mother's mother? It is. Okay. Yep, um she is. is your mother still around? My my mother is around. Okay. My, my mother is around. Um she she won't make it up this weekend. Um um, she she's still working on herself, mm-hmm. you know. She's still working on herself. I I felt like I've given her enough opportunity to at least come up here with me, you know. But I think she feels like she owes my sister them certain things down there in Tallahassee, you mm-hmm. know. And I think it's more so pride that she wants to she wants to feel like she's needed, you know. I I think she feel like she's not as needed here because my wife take care of my kids and mm-hmm. all these things and that I I don't have to rely on her, you mm-hmm. know, where my sister them like if they have to go to work, they need her. You know, so I think it's more so of a need thing and I think she just wants to feel wanted, which she's wanted here, you know, but I think she wants to really feel relied on and yeah. and here I think it's just a little different. But. Now, when you refer to, you refer to bringing her up here, you're talking about like bringing her up here to live. To live, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's 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 my girl too. You know, like um, I always tell her, like a lot of the pain. You know, we we've had we had our talks, but a lot of my pain. You know, a lot of the passion I played with was pain that was given from mm-hmm. her. You know, like I used to hate being with friends and they with their mom and dad but then they ask where mine at and it's like uh oh you know like here goes that question yeah you know and I didn't know how to answer those things you know or okay is my mom on vacation you know where is she you know or now I know I'm getting older she's in jail you know like so now you know people always don't talk about their mom you know because you talk about the mom is gonna start a fight well yeah you talk about my mom is gonna start a fight yeah. you know so a lot of pain and all that type of stuff was created because of, and I, once again, I can't use her as that excuse, but that's where my pain came from, you know. So football was a way to, for me to let that pain out, you know. And then I, if I get mad, a lot of anger issues, I, I could point that finger at her, but it shouldn't have been. Now that I'm older, I've allowed a lot of that to kind of roll down my back, and I understand, like, no, she can't be my excuse for acting crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm my own person, you know, but... Yeah, try to get her up here just so she could relieve herself a little bit. Mm-hmm. What do you remember? I mean, when about you, you said third grade? I mean, what, were you 
did your grandmother basically just tell you the whole truth at the time, or did oh, no. she wait to, to 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 sort of give it to you well, in doses? I'll, I'll say this right when you're when you're in when you're in the projects and you're in the community that you're in, like you you grow up quick. You know, you grew up quick in third grade. You probably, if mom got to go somewhere, go do something. You're at home babysitting, you know. And I know that seems crazy, but that's that's real life for people that don't have nowhere else to take their kids and do certain things, you know. Yeah. So for me, it was, I had to grow up quick, you know. So they can tell me something, but I was, I was already aware, you know. So you can't tell me nothing I don't see. You know, I don't I've been pushed down by police officers that's coming to arrest my mom and I'm trying to fight and they telling me I better go sit down before I go to jail. And I'm a young kid, you know, like I've been there. I've seen all this stuff, you know. So for me, for me, like I've been aware, you know, and that's that's one thing that I always had to do is grow up quick. And that's that's why I always say I don't I don't want to blame her for the pain, but a lot of stuff I couldn't enjoy because I looked at things totally different mm-hmm. than all my other friends and all the other kids, you know, so. Do you remember when it was that you were able to sort of have that wisdom and and, and, and to view it that way of not holding her to account and sort of forget the art of forgiveness? Larry, you want to know what's crazy? Is this probably had to be, It's it's been recent. It's probably been about the last... It's probably been in like the last six, seven years since I've been back, you know, mm-hmm. and like I didn't go to the NFL, you know. So once again, I went back into a dark place, you know, on top of the anger that was already there, you know, the finger pointing. Now I'm pointing fingers at other people because now I didn't get drafted. So it's, it's a lot more stuff going on in my head. So now my head is just running, running, running like, why, 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 why is this, you know? So I got so many questions. You know, but then I get back here, you know, I finally like, okay, the the biggest talk was with my uncle, right? I didn't know how to get a regular job because I didn't want to get looked at like a failure or something, you know, and my uncle's telling me, like, man, listen, you've accomplished more than half these people who you worried about judging you. You know, so don't worry about judgment. You know, you worry about taking care of your family. That's what your mindset should be. That's what your job is. Like you got to be responsible now to take care of Deuce and take care of Carson because they were the two that was born, you know. And I'm like, for me, that's what registered to me and kind of picked me up to get like a regular job. And then when I got the regular job, I think that was just no NFL, a way for God to humble me, you know. Then go get a regular job, another way for God to humble me, you know. Like, okay, this is reflection time, time for you to find yourself, you know. And then when I finally became a GA and now Coach Swing's talking about me hearing God again, me hearing, you know, I'm I'm back in that world. You know, I'm back into football, something that I love, something that I always breathe, you know, and um it just it brought me back, you know, and so I was able to reflect a little bit on like, why is this? You know, and I still remember my first devotion. I'm like, okay, what am I gonna talk about? And the first thing I talked about was my life. Do it in front of the team? In, or front, of, in front of the, the coaches, staff. Yeah, staff. You know, Coach Sweeney wanted me to do it in front of the team, but I don't think I was ready for that. But I did it in front of the staff, and um, I mean, everybody was like, great job. Like, I didn't know this, and I didn't know that, and I didn't know this. And, you know, so they kind of got to know it, but it was kind of like weight off my shoulders. 
What'd you, you say? Know? What was it? Well, I just told him about about life. I told him about my mom. You know, I told him about my dad. You know, I told him about not being drafted and where I was in this dark place and all this type of stuff. So I was I was able to speak speak that, you know, and I was able to get rid of it, you know, kind of flush everything and I think that's what that's what made me realize like I can't continue to point point finger. You know, I point finger at Drew Rosenhaus. You know, and he was my agent, you know, and I felt like now that I'm old, I'm like, man, he treated me so good. Yeah. You know, he treated me great. You know, had me in a condo, had me in a rental car for like a year almost. You know, like the stuff that I needed, he took care of. But because I wasn't on a team, which he had no control over, but I thought he did because that's how immature I was. Mm -hmm. He got blamed. You know, my mom get blamed. You know, stuff I do get. Everybody get blamed. You know, and my dad get blamed because I don't know how to be a man. I gotta, I gotta learn that on my own. You know, my grandma can't teach me how to be a man. She could teach me how to be responsible and all that stuff, but she can't teach me how to be a man. So all this stuff I have to figure out myself. You know, so when I was able to kind of flush that stuff and learn and kind of look in the mirror and be like, man, it's you. You know, take some accountability, put pride to the side, and say it's you. You know, you got to fix you. Nobody else can fix you. You have to fix you. And I think once that happened, I think that's when I took the next step. I'm not at all putting my upbringing anywhere near yours, but just as a means of sort of identifying with the long process. You know, my parents divorced when they, when I was five, mm-hmm. and that affects you in ways that you don't even realize, you know, through your teenage years, college years, adulthood. So right. it takes just decades almost for it to sort of for it to wash away you know and for you to look at it with okay i'm cool you know every everybody everybody's flawed you know (laughs) in this in this world what so refresh me on the nfl thing you had had an injury is that i did i so i I fractured my wrist uh my fractured my wrist auburn game um i fractured my skateboard so it was going to be this whole six month process so for me i want to play football that's like I say, I love football. Um, I didn't want to. I didn't want to get surgery during the season. Um, so when I when I finished, um, <laughs> crazy story, and it's probably sound crazy to the agent world, but Chad Speck, who was here yeah. at Clemson, that's who I wanted to sign with. He had just signed Eric Berry, and I'm like, okay, I want to sign with Chad Speck. But Chad Speck was telling me to get surgery, mm. but I wanted to play in the Senior Bowl. And Chad Speck was like, man, that's not important. You got film. The right things, you know what I mean? Like, telling me the right things. And I just, obviously, once again, immature. Um, But then Rosenhaus, which he gave me the opportunity, like, man, what do you want to do? You know? And I was like, I want to play in the senior bowl. I don't want to get surgery right now because I won't be able to play in the senior bowl. You know? And, and him being Drew Rosenhaus, I'm listening to him, and he's telling me, like, all right, well, we'll go with that, you know. And um, I think I, I have to live with that decision because he allowed me to make that decision. But I think as an, as a person who knows the game, now that I'm older, I thought he would have said, no, you can't play, don't worry about it, any of that. You need to do this, you know, kind of what Chad Speck did. But I went into the draft with a broken wrist, and – they told me to get it fixed at the combine. They told me to get it fixed. So after the senior bowl, they told me to get it fixed. And um, I go to the uh, I go to the, the little weekly thing, the week thing before the draft. It's like a week before the draft, and I'll go in there. 
and everybody has like cast on braces on everybody so it's like really like let's go see how your surgery went but i haven't got my schedule anything so all the other draft draftees had, had gone ahead and yeah so it's like a, it's like an injury checkup okay you know so they do like they tell you what you need to get fixed what needs to get done before the draft and for me i didn't want to get the surgery because i'm like i don't want to miss the season like, that's just how much I love football. You know, like, I don't want to miss the season. Like, after my rookie season, I'll get it fixed wherever I'm at. You know, that's kind of how I was thinking about it. And um, I, I went to the draft. I still remember it to this day. Like, it was like this. Everybody came up to me, and it was like three doctors around me, three team doctors around me. And it was like, have you got your, have you got your wrist uh, surgery scheduled? I was like, nah. I was like, um. And I actually I put it off on Drew. I'm like, um, whichever whichever team drafts me, you know, I'll play that season and then we'll just get it fixed afterwards. You know, mm-hmm. that's what I said. And next thing you know, like the doctors looked at me like I was the craziest dude in the world. They like stared me down. I remember the stare, like how you're looking at me right now. <laughs> like imagine three doctors looking at you like, man, you have to be the stupidest dude in the world. Wow. And they, all three of them looked at me. And I, I remember, I think it was the Tampa Bay guy. I think it was the Tampa Bay doctor. I, I want to say it was the, I want to say it was the Dolphins. And I don't remember who the other guy, probably was the, like the Patriots or somebody, but I remember them looking at me in my face. And it was like they all, like their jaw just dropped. Like, did you really just say that? Mm. We told you to get this fixed in February and you haven't got it fixed. You know, and then draft came a week later. And everybody said I was red flag, but now that I'm older, once again, rightfully so. You know, like it was a six-month process. And I basically told them, like, I'm not going to listen and get your surgery. You know, I want to play football this year. You know, and whoever drafts me, I get it fixed with that team. And that's, they looked at me like, dude, you got to be, that had to be the craziest thing ever, you know. So I I think that's kind of what pushed, pushed me off the grid. And um, I mean, it is what it is. Did the gravity hit you either sitting in front of those three doctors or during the actual draft? That's how immature I was. The doctors, the look didn't affect me as much then because I still felt I'm going to get drafted, right? That's where I feel like the humbling had to come in because it's like, yeah, y'all looking at me crazy, but I I don't care. I'm going to get drafted, play football, and move on with this, right? But during the draft, me not getting my name called, that was like the biggest disappointment, you know, like that was painful. And once again, that was another humbling experience because the next day that Sunday my grandma woke me up so we went to church together on Sunday you know and I haven't been to church with her in a long time but not getting drafted was like the biggest slap in the face and I had a few teams calling me but I, I still hadn't committed to nobody so I wanted to go to church with my grandma and like just refresh clear my mind all this type stuff and I, I remember it like yesterday it was painful and the pastor actually spoke to me that day. I don't know if my grandma told him she was bringing me with her, but he spoke to me that day, you know, and um, it was big. We met after church and everything, but it was something I needed, you know, and obviously I didn't make it, but I, I figured it out. 
Did you sign as a free agent, undrafted I, free agent? I signed with the Saints as an undrafted. How long did that last? Um, well, they cut me. And once again, which that situation was funny because I wanted to go to the Texans. And as many as, as Texans were like the perfect fit for me. And I, they coached, who was the only coach, their DB coach, was the only coach to call me and explain the situation. And he was like, man, we got one safety who's played in the game and the other two safeties that we have here, they haven't even played in the game yet. Like, you could come here and y'all can compete. You know, like, he called me that night and we talked through it. And I'm like, okay, like, I want to be a Texan. And Drew called me the next day and he was like, well, the Saints are offering more money. They only have one safety on the roster right now, which is Malcolm, Malcolm Jenkins. And they haven't signed Roman Harper back. They haven't signed, um, uh, I forgot, I want to say it was preload. They had like two older veterans too. And when I get there, they end up signing like six safeties. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I ended up getting cut, and I felt like I never really got an opportunity there and because uh, they just had so many veterans in front of me. And um, I asked um, Greg Williams. I remember going to him. Now, this was before the bounty gate, and I end up going to him. And I'm like, man, like, I don't want to get cut for not being able to perform and show who I am. You know what I mean? If y'all cut me, at least give me an opportunity to fail, you yep. know? And, um, like, that's why I would want to be cut, you know? And I thought I went with respect and everything else. I was trying to be as humble as possible. Like, hey, man, like, I don't want y'all to send me out of here and have me pack my bags and y'all don't know what y'all have in me, you mm -hmm. know? Just give me a little opportunity and let me show y'all what I have. Man, that first cut came around and he, they sent me out of there. It's like a week? You know, it wasn't. Well... I was there throughout camp, uh -huh. you know, so we only had, like, we had, what, like, two preseason games, and, uh, yeah, after that second one, I was out. And you know, that was it? Like, that was, well, that was it with them. them. Yeah, yeah, so then I, I signed, I signed with Indianapolis, <laughs> um, I was signed with them through the first week, and then um, on, onto their practice squad, but then they had three linebackers get hurt the same week, so since I was one of the last ones to sign... I was one of the first ones to get cut, yeah. you know, and then obviously I'm like, okay, like this might not work out. But then the Chargers called me for futures and uh, I'm like, okay. So I, I actually, I went up there with Marcus Gilchrist for a while uh, for my futures and I stayed with Gilly for like two weeks and um, they, they were telling me already like I was going to have to get a physical. So I already knew my wrist situation was about to come up. And they didn't think it was as bad as it was, but they x-rayed it and I got cut the next day, mm. you know, so, and that was pretty much the end of that. You know, Detroit called me again for futures, but I would, I wasn't working out like that. Like once I got that surgery, everything was having to come out of my pocket. So I wasn't training like I was supposed to train or anything, you mm -hmm. know, so when I got back to Detroit, um, I was there with Ricky Minicamp and, uh. I should say it didn't go well. I don't think I did bad, but I wasn't in shape like I needed to be if I if if I was to assess myself, you know. But yeah, it was it was quick, like a quick year and a half. When did it hit with finality that my football is over? Do you remember when when that was? Um, it wasn't it wasn't long after. I think when I left Detroit, when I left Detroit, I think I was. 
I honestly, I, I was okay with leaving. You know, I was okay with leaving, but I just didn't know my next step. You know, um, I was going to, I was thinking about going Canadian and I'm like, man, I wouldn't want to be that far away from my family, you know? So I was like, nah, that ain't it. You know, so I, I was okay with leaving football because I already felt like it wasn't playing right. You know, I felt like I didn't get drafted. I'm getting cut from these teams all because of a wrist injury. Like I just felt like nothing was going my way anyway. So for me, I'm like, you know what, I'm I'm over it with the politics and football and all this type of stuff. Like, I don't have to watch an NFL game. Like, my mind is over it. I could go be with my family. We could figure something out, you know. And, and my wife, who wasn't my wife then, man, she was, like, the most supportive of, like, everything. You know, she had a good job at Wells Fargo, and she was working Wells Fargo in Charlotte. And uh, she was, like, a loan processor, and she was, like, doing her thing. And she was just like, man, if you want to train, you can train. If you want to find something, just find something. You know, I'm behind you either way, da-da-da, you know. So she always supported me since day one, you know, and that's what I needed, you know. And um, and uh, just we just figured it out, you know. And um, I had to humble myself and get me a real job, yeah. you know. So. Now you, after the 09 season, you seriously thought about leaving early, right? Yeah, I did. I mean, I think I remember you, you called Dabo and said mm-hmm. – I'm back. That's it. Yeah. And so, that was really not, not a whole lot of deliberation. Yeah. So I wanted, I wanted to leave. I want, I wanted to leave. Um, my grandma didn't want me to leave. Um, obviously she, she's, and she still love Coach Sweeney to this day. You know, that's, that's her guy, yeah. you know? And, uh, I mean, we, I hope Tallahassee, you grew up a diehard Seminole, you know, so everybody been rude Seminoles their whole life, but her, orange all the way you know <laughs> coach Sweeney if he goes she goes you know like that's how she rolled like she loves coach Sweeney she trusts coach Sweeney and she was just saying like hey like you need to get your degree you know you need to get your degree so if football don't work out like you can have something to fall back on you know like she was like 100% honest and pure with me and like I still was kind of going against it but then I like I said, I remember sitting down in my room one day and I was just thinking, I'm like, I was looking at it, I was like, um, you got Earl Thomas, you had Earl Thomas coming out, you had Taylor Mays coming out, you had uh, Eric Berry coming out, mm-hmm. you had all these safeties coming out and I'm just sitting there, I'm like, man, like I feel like I could play with any of those dudes. And um, I, I was like, if I came out next year, after I got my degree, I'd probably be the only safety, you know? like. Mm-hmm. I don't know any safeties right now that'll be coming out with me. And uh, that's kind of where I, I, I banked that. You know, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go at grandma and go get my degree. But next year, I'm just going to put the icing on the cake, you know. And I still felt like I had a great season, if I'm not mistaken. I think I led the team in interceptions and tackles and just didn't work out, you know. But that's part of life now, you know. Did you Did you spend any time later thinking, what if? What if I... Because the wrist injury obviously yeah. happened in, in, in and a lot of people season. ask that question, yeah. you know, and I, you know, what if, you know, I, I don't know, you know, I can't, I can't think about that, and that's one thing that I think early on that I I never allowed to get in my head, you know, because I think, I think when you make the decision, you can live with it, you know, but when someone else make the decision, that's those are the ones that's hard to live with, so once again, it's kind of like. 
I was okay. My grandma didn't force me to come back. She still put it in my hand. She just gave her opinion. So for me, it was me to sit down and think, okay, how, how can I do this? How can I do that? You know, but then when I get something like the Texans versus the Saints, I feel like I let somebody else make my decision. So I started pointing fingers because I let them make that decision, which is not their fault at all. But I still feel like I got somebody to blame. But um, no, I never let that creep into my head on the what ifs. A lot of people ask, man, or they say, man, you should have left your yeah. junior year. No, nah, man, I did right by me. You yeah. know, I did right by me. And I'm, I'm okay with that. What was the real job you got? Walmart. Walmart. <laughs> Walmart. It's, okay, so this is like 11, this 2011, is, 12? This is 2012. It's, it's 2012-ish, yeah. Where? Uh, Walmart in Charlotte. Charlotte, okay. Yeah. So, I, um, so if, if people see all these Walmart people that work at Walmart on my Facebook, those are some of my <laughs> old co-workers. <laughs> no, but, man, listen, I, I, I lied to you not. It was... It was humbling, but it was also like one of the most funnest experiences. Like they put me in electronics. So I was like dealing with stuff like I knew what I was talking about. But even when I get like Clemson fans and type stuff like that, it was always love. You know, I can and I always felt like I could help them. You know, like if they wanted a TV, it was like, oh, I can help you. You know, and then when I was like, oh, no, don't worry about this. You want to get a TV like this? We got some in the back that's already been open. I could sell it to you for 15% off. You, you don't want like, that BlackBerry. You want yeah, this BlackBerry. Yeah. So I felt, <laughs> I felt like I was able to help people in, a, in my type of way. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, man, I think, I think it was an amazing experience. And then the, the workers there, once they, they, once they figured out who I was, you know, they showed me a different type of love too. But it was, it was always fun. Like all my, all my coworkers there was like, Amazing. How know. how long? Uh, I worked there almost a year. Okay. Yeah, it was almost a year until Coswini um, until Coswini called me. So this would have had to probably be thirteen. This would have had to be two thousand thirteen. I was working at Walmart because I worked there through fourteen, and then that's when I got ready to get the GA job here. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, but it was it was good. So he calls you and just says, "Hey, I want you to come back." Like, is well, that- crazy. I came back for the Florida State beatdown that we took Th- at 13. in 13. Oh, wow. That we took in 13. I came back to that game. And because uh, I was up in Charlotte, and I'm like, me and my brother, uh, we're going make it, to make it to the game. Funny. I'm going I'm, to I'm keep talking, but I'm going to show you something. Because he, he obviously, I told you they all Florida State fans, but he sent me this the other day. But I'm at that game. And um, Coach Sweeney, we talking. He's like, what, you, what you're doing and all this type of stuff. So. I'm showing you a picture. I know they won't be able to see it. But me and my brother on the sideline right there. So we're on the sideline right there. So I'm, that's my brother here to the to the right. And that's and, me. And the hood? That's me in the hood. Okay. Yep. So we're standing on the sideline of that game. And uh, after the game, I talked to Coach Sweeney. And uh, he was asking me, like, what I was doing now and all that type stuff. And. I tell him I'm at Walmart, you know, and he's like, Walmart, you know, and it's like, okay, you know, what you're doing and how's it going and all of that. And we just, obviously, we just sparked back up football and it's like, it's like, well, keep in touch with me and all that type of stuff. So I got a beat on Mike Hamlin leaving for the Bills. Obviously, I played with Mike and uh, Carico was already here. So they both was kind of telling me what was going on. I was like, well, I'm going to just text coach. And he was, when I texted him, he was like, I was already thinking about you. You know, but um, give give me a few days to see if this going through, and then we'll figure something out. And um, it worked out, you know. So 
What's it like to move your family from Charlotte to, for a GA for a GA job? So it was crazy. <laughs> now this is how, this is funny because this is how God worked, right? Um, my wife was like killing it in Charlotte, and she still does hair, but she was doing Wells Fargo, and one, her and one of her friends had just opened up the ha- hair business, so they were like killing it. She yeah. was killing it. So Wells Fargo ended up doing a major layoff, like a major layoff. And she was one of the ones to get fired. Uh So she was like, okay, I'm just going to go all in on my hair business. And she was still dominating in the hair business. But things started to slow up for her. She was like, I want to go to the shop, but I don't think this is like, it doesn't feel right. Like I feel better just doing hair in my area. And uh, because they were paying a person to like rent out the booth. But the booth was like way across town. So she didn't like what she was doing at the time. So when I got the call, things weren't going well in the moment anyways. You know, it was a lot of questions already. And uh, that's the first thing Coach Sweeney told her. Like, if y'all take this job, you got to be all in. You know, like, if you're not all in, I'm not hiring. (laughs) You know, and she basically was like, I'm all in. You know, I'm all in. I'm ready to go. You know, because he was like, in this job, you you need a supportive wife. You know, and she stood on the table like wow. I'm behind him 110% you know if this is his passion I'm willing to move my hair business to Clemson and we could go that yeah. way Upstate folks and particularly Clemson area folks there's a great tradition that's been going on recently in Westminster the Music on Main free music festival in downtown Westminster I can vouch for it having played there and also attended on several occasions it's put on by the Westminster Music Center a nonprofit organization with the mission of promoting the joy of live music in the community Saturday October 21st will feature two bands the Songs from the Road touring band and My band, Amongst the Trees, although I won't be there because I have to work. There's a football game that day. Classic car show starts at 3, concert starts at 5. More info, go to westminstermusiccenter.org. Upstate foodies, want to take a moment to talk to you about our favorite taco spot, Willie Taco. Five locations across the upstate. This award-winning team has been serving up fresh taco fusion for a solid decade now. The chefs at Willie Taco utilize the freshest, most creative, and sometimes unexpected ingredients in their kitchens. Come see why Southern Living, Garden and Gun, and Food and Wine Magazine are raving about Willie Taco and their signature offerings, such as their Southern Tide, Crispy Avocado, Nashville Hot Chicken Tacos, literally flavors you will not find anywhere else, folks. And don't forget about the cocktails, super fresh margaritas, ice cold cerveza, and over 80 tequilas served up daily from behind the bar. So don't wait, folks. Your Willie Taco Familia is ready to serve you up. Their twist on funky, fresh fusion is the Willie Way. Want to share a quick word about Founders Federal Credit Union? If you've been to a sporting event in Clemson, you've probably heard about founders already. They are the official credit union partner of the Clemson Tigers. In addition to that, all Clemson faculty, staff, and students are eligible for membership as well as IPTA members. Its office is located beside the Walmart neighborhood market on Old Greenville Highway in Clemson. For more information, go to foundersfcu.com. Another loyal supporter of the Dubcast is Blackacre Law Firm in Greenville, a subsidiary of Parm Smith and Archenthal. Blackacre helps South Carolina residents achieve their dreams of home ownership by providing experienced, professional Professional representation for real estate closings. Attention to detail is crucial in real estate law. Blackacre is committed to making sure nothing gets by them preparing residential or commercial closings. Blackacre also offers estate planning services for their clients in the Greenville area. Find out more about Blackacre at 864-326-3507. Okay, you grow up maybe 
a punt away from Doak Campbell, no right? Yeah. It's right there, right? Yeah, you can hear you can hear the band. You ain't at the game, you can hear the band from the house. Is that your first memories? Is is being able to hear oh, football yeah. games? Oh yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You had posters of Dion Sanders and Charles Woodson on your wall. Oh yeah. And that's why you wore number two. I, I had them in my locker in my locker too. Wow. Yeah. Um, how do you explain why you did not end up at Florida State? My family didn't want me to stay in town. Ma- um, mainly your your grandmother and godmother. Grandmother, godmother. Nobody wanted me in town. Um, now I said it's, it's my group. You know, I had a group of guys that, and I'll say this: half of my friends did sign somewhere to play football. But I think when I became a bigger name, a lot of the community was starting to follow behind me, you know, or everybody was around. And I don't think I had a way of pushing people back. I was more accepted than, than a lot of people, you know. So I had always had large groups around me, and they was just thinking, like, this ain't the place you want to be, you know. Like, after you win a football game, this is what you're coming home to, you know. I, I used to tell people I felt like when Florida State brought recruits in, like, they're looking forward to me to host, you mm-hmm. know, like I didn't need them to host me. Yeah. Like I felt like I was so I was so big in the city at the time that I felt like a Florida State person couldn't host me. Like I'm gonna bring y'all to the parties that I go to. Yeah. You know, like that's how it was, and that they didn't want me in town. You know, and they was just like, this ain't the place. You know, like if you want to go somewhere, be successful, and grow, you're gonna have to get away from the city. And um, I thought I honestly was going to LSU. That's where I thought I was going with Nick Saban and Kirby Smart and all of them down there. Because I loved my visit down there as well. But when they met Coach Sweeney, and he came down for the first time. It was it was like a wrap. Mm. Yeah. And then I came here and I met Brian Dawkins, who was my favorite safety. I'm still a big-time Eagles fan. And he was like my guy. Like, never met him. And he's... I don't even know if y'all remember, but I remember it like it was yesterday because it was like a dream. He was at in center field with the pink pink uh, blazer on. He had a pink blazer on at the spring game. Yeah. And I was in the stands, and uh, I had drove up here with T.J. Williams and um, my my quarterback, Emmanuel Francis, and I got to meet him at halftime. Did you initially push back on this idea from your inner circle, uh, the people that supported you? Hey, you 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 don't want to, you, you can't stay here. I mean, no, I no? I never pushed back. Okay. Um, I think because I always felt like when it came from my grandma and my godmom, I felt like even growing up, like they were the ones in my circle. Mm-hmm. You know, like if they say like that's something that I respect and that's something that I listen to. I always tell people like. People could ask me how you do this and how you do that because I, like I said, I grew up quick. It was no, it was nobody that I felt I had to follow. Like I've, I've always considered myself self-motivated. I always considered myself a natural leader. You know, like I don't, I don't need to follow anybody. I don't need anybody telling me what to do because it's, it's not going to happen that way. You know, but when it comes from grandma and godmom, who I felt like raised me and brought me up and never told me anything wrong maybe they have but i never believed it you know kind of like water boy right <laughs> it's like what mama says it goes yeah. you know but i always always believed it you know and uh when they said it they, like at, at first i didn't really understand it but now that i'm older it's like come on it was no doubt you know like no question like it was the right decision to leave i think i read somewhere that when your grandmother took you in 
she took you to, is it pronounced Havana, not Havana? Havana. Havana. Oh, it Havana, is pronounced Havana, Havana. Florida. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Small town. Oh, yeah. Is that where you ended up oh, going yeah. after third grade? Oh, Havana. For, for, your, for the rest of your and I, childhood? And it's the country. And I hate it. <laughs> I hate Havana so much. You still like, do. Listen, I, listen, I love the people there because I don't know who might hear this podcast. I love the people <laughs> in Havana. But my grandma, like, she has, so it's my grandma's house. My great-grandmother house was right in front of hers. And far back was my auntie, my auntie Tam, my auntie Tammy. She had a trailer behind them. So it's like a big old yard. Commune or something. Oh, my goodness. It's the country. <laughs> like dirt road. Like you're yeah. dirt road. Like everybody in that area knows each other. Like if a dog barked from around the corner, like you even know who dog it is. You know, like based off of where you at in the yard, you know who yard it is. Like that's how country it is over there like you don't take the trash to the road like i'm going back there finding a way to burn the trash every day you know like <laughs> we burnt the trash back there like but I, I hated it but i mean i loved it as, as well but it was just so country because i had no friends out there you know it was just when i felt like i was out there it was always work like i'm cutting the yard or i'm I'm burning trash or whatever you know and then when i get in the house all it is is watching tv and and everybody knows if you're watching TV with grandma, you're watching the stories. You're watching God and Light and all that type <laughs> stuff. So you're watching the stories on TV. So you hate that as a kid. And uh, so I'm in my room. I might, if a football game on, that's the only time I get to watch sports, you know. But I, I hated being out there. So I found my way to Tallahassee. My godmom, she, at her house is actually the one that's like right there by okay. Florida State. Okay. You know, so that's where I stayed most nights because it was so easy for me to get to school because Gabby was right down the road. Yep. Um, but even even when I went to Story Park, uh, Bellevue, like everything was so easy to get to from her house. What's the worst thing you remember just from just from the being in the projects and worst thing? Yeah. Um, I don't think when when I was in the projects, I had a lot of fun, mm-hmm. you know, because it's a it's a lot of kids, you know, yeah. you have a lot of fun. It's a there's a lot of kids. Um, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of fights, trash talk. You grow up quick in the projects, right? And um, I don't, I it really wasn't no bad moment. Now I did burn down the apartment complex. Um, I had to be about I had to be about eight, nine, eight. I had to be about eight years old, and um, I ended up burning down the kitchen in the projects. Um, so they had to, every everybody was out there. Um, my mom, my mom threw me out the window first. My I had to catch my sister, and then she came out the window next. But I I woke up one morning, fixed me some grits, and you know you had the instant grits that you could put in the microwave. But for me, for some dumb reason. I cut the oven on, and I uh, the grits paper. <laughs> oh, oh no! So I get the grits paper and I catch it on fire, and I didn't know where to put it. I mean, I'm eight years old, so what I do? I don't put it in the sink. I throw it in the trash. Oh man! And uh, trash just it's a lot of paper in there. It just catches on fire. So now it catches everything else on fire in the kitchen, and they have to come and come and put it all out but that was probably one of the worst things while I was in the projects and obviously obviously all this happened before I was 
eight, nine years old, you know, so my memories for that is kind of slim because it wasn't, it wasn't as much, you know, I was, I was out of there by the time third grade hit. Um, but yeah, that's probably one of the biggest ones that I remember because I was one of the older ones. So you said your, your dad had another family and was out of the picture the whole time, totally out of the picture. Now I'll say this now. I don't want, I don't want to say because my dad and me and my dad still talk to this day. Um, my, my dad has been there, you know, like if I needed something and I'm like, Hey dad, I need shoes for school. Like he'll send me money to get shoes for school. You know, um, like he was always there. I should say financially, Mm -hmm. you know, if I needed something for school, he'll take care of it. If he came to games, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think I don't remember him coming to as many when I was in like low league and middle school and those type things. But when I got in high school, he was he he'll show up to games. You know, he was there for games. Um, and even in college, he came to games, mm-hmm. you know. So I don't want to say he wasn't like there in the picture. My dad was there. Um, but to teach me how to be a man, to teach me how to grow, he wasn't there. And I don't think he had any say, you know, how I grew up. He didn't have any say, and I don't. I don't think he could have ever told me what to do and how to do anything. You know, I wouldn't call or believe on him in any advice. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just because I don't feel the relationship was there was strong enough. I listened to my uncle Tim before I listened to any male, and um, but yeah, he was he was he was definitely there. So I don't want I, I don't I wouldn't want to make it like he wasn't in my life because he was definitely he was definitely supportive financially. He just wasn't supportive. He couldn't be supportive mentally, mm-hmm. you know, because we didn't have a relationship. <clears throat> you said that once Dabo Sweeney came down and met your your grandmother and and godmother, it was a it was a wrap. Yeah. So he connected with them. Mm-hmm. What was that connection? And I get with you as well. I just I just because Sweeney is just he's natural. He's not he's naturally a people's person, um, and he's always himself, you know. And with them, he he speaks faith. And that's that's right now my grandma alley. You know, you speak in faith, you speak in you speak in life, like that's right up her alley. And um and she believed him because she felt it was authentic. And if she could question him on it or say something about it, he had an answer for it. You know, so I think I think that's one thing. Like you get a lot of people come in there and they might say something about faith, but when she throw a question at him and like, Okay, you you a Christian or you this, you know, like well, what's your beliefs in this? And a lot of them, you know, they get choked up now, you know. And I think everything she asked him, he was he was prepared for. And then he had, he probably got the toughest of them all because he was under Tommy Bowden and his dad was Bobby Bowden. And he'll tell you, because Sweeney always tell you, every time he came into the house, my granddad would be sitting on the chair. And he always tell him, like, I don't know why you keep coming here. <laughs> He ain't going to the little bout, and he he ain't going. Why would he go to the little bout when the big bout right up the road? You know, so he had this old saying where he used to get Coach Sweeney a hard time. That was great. A hard time, and uh, but Coach Sweeney always bowed it, laughed it off, and joked with him, and you know, so they all fell in love with him, and it was all natural, you know. And I think I think that's why they they just they felt the generosity. He's been through his own hardships and upbringing and all that yeah. did that resonate with you early did he share that did he, is that part of the connection he did but you know for me i think back then once again i think i i trusted what my grandma and godmom felt 
You yeah. know, if they felt it. So a lot of people would talk to me and try to talk to me through football. You couldn't get me with football because my mindset already was I was so self-motivated to the point where I felt I don't care where I'm going. I'm going to play football like I love football that much. Like it's going to be hard. Like I could go anywhere and play football. I'm not worried about that. Like, don't even bring me your roster. I don't care about your roster, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I want, I'm going to compete. And um, I just think when they felt his energy and they fell in love with him and they was like, okay, we have to get up to Clemson and see what all this talk is about. When they felt that, it was like, okay, you know, this guy sold him. You know, I've had guys come in and tell me, like, you can play both ways, you yeah. know, and even Arkansas, Chris Vaughn, one of my – I still talk to Chris Vaughn to this day. Um, his son just got picked up by the Cowboys, and he's oh, a wow. scout for them, uh, for the Cowboys as well. Um, he's the one they let do the call for his son to draft him. And um, still keep in touch with him. And he told me I could play both ways, you know. And I, I don't know to this day if that was just a recruiting, recruiting tool, but I love Chris to this day. But it was just something different when Coach Sweeney came and spoke to the family. You've talked about how hard it was when people say, hey, where, where, where's your mom? Mm-hmm. But what about, let's flip it, um, you, I mean, there were people who didn't have as much as you had mm-hmm. in terms of your mother hens, no your grandmother and, and, and godmother. Mm-hmm. Where would you be? Where, where would you have ended up without them? <laughs> Listen, I'll say this. I, I know for sure. Um, I know for sure. I, I, I you know, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. You say without them. Man, without them, I, I don't know. I'd probably be in dead, dead or in jail, honestly. Mm-hmm. You know, I hate to say it that way, but that's probably where I would be with no, none of their guidance. Um, but once again, I do think I've always been, like I say, I've always been self-motivated. I've always, I've always been a leader myself. I've, I, I knew even with my mom, I had to grow up quick. Once again, when I burnt down the house, what I was doing, I was fixing my grits at like eight years old. Yeah. You know, like I'm up in the morning doing this, mm-hmm. you know, so that's something I'm playing with the stove and everything else at eight years old. So I'm getting up and I'm doing this stuff on my own, you know, so I feel like I was already a little more advanced than, than a lot of guys. Um, but like without them and putting it in order, you know, I probably would be in jail somewhere, you know, especially with that built up anger that I was already dealing with, you know, especially when my grandma knew how to deal with it, you know, because she had to go through the same stuff. It's her daughter. Yeah. And then it's her son, you know, my Uncle Tim that I speak highly of. He was the same way. He mm-hmm. was in and out of jail. But, man, when he was out, he he was checking on me, you know, yeah. you know, so. But, yeah, it was her, her situation the same. I mean, you might have gone into the DSS system, I guess, and in and out of that, foster, yeah. you know. Yeah. That's the normal path. I'm sure you had friends who who yeah. went through that, that route. Um, Debo, was, the other day, was telling a story about when you were at Hargrave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> first, of, first, first of all, how, how tough was it when you first learned you didn't qualify and you couldn't come here in, would that have been 06? Yeah. So... I don't mean to make this a long story. This won't be no. a long story. I'll do it quick. But I bust my butt to qualify. And 
what I ended up doing, I ended up telling somebody that I was thinking about going to FSU, which it traveled and and when it traveled it it woke up a lot of people because now it's like okay the school is Florida State fans everybody around their Florida State people so now these teachers are everybody wanting to help me oh come after school come after school signing days in February right so I have to I have to sign I knew I was going to Clemson but the word traveled that he's thinking about Florida State so now that I'm older, I, I, I shouldn't even care. But uh, a teacher had to tell one of the Florida State people that I was thinking about coming to Florida State. And now that's word that he's probably going to decommit on signing day and go to Florida State. These teachers are busting a butt to get me qualified. Uh-huh. Like, a lot to you not. Like, every day I'm after school getting my grades and doing like making up work making up work me and my me and our quarterback Emmanuel Francis he had to go to hard grade with me and uh, I ended up signing with Clemson in February and I think all I needed was a B in one of these classes the guy ended up giving me a C in the class and I think I ended up getting two C's on that on that thing but they didn't qualify me so I had to go because I had already made a 17 on my ACT, but I needed an 18. And uh, you think it's because they were Florida State fans and they're mad? You're, you're not saying, but you're but but you're just saying. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I think it had a lot to do with that. Now that I'm older, that's what I think it had a lot to do with. And I I, I still hate it to this day. That's one of the things that always bothered me. But I think Hargrave helped me so much. You know, it helped me so much. It helped me develop a lot as well. You know it. I felt like I was already responsible, but being in that military school brought out a different responsibility as well. You know, waking up at six in the morning, marching and putting on the suit on Sundays and, you know, all this stuff, you know, even walking almost two miles just to go to practice, you know, and you just talking with guys that then from different from different parts of the world, you know, that's there just to try to make football, make football work. And you building all these relationships and like a lot of these guys, I still have relationships with like we was at Hargrave together that's I hate to say it it's like being in prison together like we were in jail together you know so we knew the struggle we we talked about everything and uh yeah that was that was a that was a special time um yeah because Sweeney probably talked about me crying to go home huh yeah, Miss Dot and Miss Kim, they were they were going to get you, and he said you better not go get him, or else it's going to ruin him. Yeah. What's your perspective of that? Yeah, uh, he did the right thing, and once again, that shows the that shows the man he is and the man that they believe in. You know, that's that's my respect for him. You know, and I know a lot of people sit there and they like, oh, you're loyal to Coach Sweeney. You know, like. I'm the most loyal to Coach Sweeney, and I will forever be loyal to him because of that. You know, like, he's had my back from the beginning, you know. and uh, But, yeah, he, he told them straight up, like, y'all can't go get him. Like, because if he goes back to Tallahassee, it's not going to work out. You talking about taking him to a community, tele, uh, TCC, like, he's not going to be 100% committed. This military school is going to wake him up every day, make sure he's doing what he needs to do to qualify. Like, that's their everyday duty. Like, you telling me y'all going to put that on him to do it? You know, like, 
now that that's not happening, you know, and even now that I'm older, it wasn't happening. Like I'm gonna try to find a way to be like, oh, I ain't going today, or I ain't doing this this week, or whatever, you know. But yeah, he told him if I come home, then he's done, you know. Like he's not going to waste energy on it, because obviously it's not going to work. And I don't think it would have worked if I would have did it. I just didn't want to be in a military school. And um, but yeah, my god, my god, mama, grandma, they called me and it was like, oh, you staying, <laughs> you know, you staying, you gonna. Make sure you do your job, you know. It it bothered me at first, but, man, after, like, the first two, three days and everybody get used to each other, man, it became easy, you know. So I'm, I'm happy he actually stood on the table for that. So your plan was to go back home and go to community college oh, to, no to, to get your grades? Oh, yeah, to get ready to take the next test. Yeah. No, he was like, no, nah, that, that's not going to work, you know, and which it wouldn't have because Hargrave teaches you how to take the test. You know, and every day you're going to classes and they're teaching you how and what you need to look out for, the tricky words and all this type of stuff, what you need to prepare for, you know. And next thing you know, I, I, I go from a 17 to a 22, you know, just off of learning, off my first test, off of learning the techniques on how to take the test, you mm-hmm. know. And my score jumped that high, you know. So I definitely don't think I would have did it if, if I would have did it my way, you know, and that's. That's one thing I respect on him. He he's been through it, he's lived it, and he kinda he gave that advice on like, man, that's that's not gonna work. Like we're talking about an eighteen year old, well, at the time, probably seventeen year old, mm-hmm. like saying that he's gonna be responsible enough to get up every day. All right, he wasn't he already wasn't responsible enough to do it while he was in school. Yeah. You know, so now we're saying we're gonna give him that responsibility to get up every day and try to go get it done at TCC on his own, it's not going to happen, you know. So that's him and his experience and him giving my grandma them advice because they just wanted to listen to me, you know. I'm, I'm the baby, and it's like we want to support him, you know, but now we got this guy telling us, nah, it shouldn't happen that way. But they trusted him because he's been that way and he's been so real and authentic with them from the beginning. I don't know if they would have listened to any other coach, yep. you know, but for him – he stood on the table on what he believed in, you know, and it, it worked out. Were you getting recruited by other coaches while you were at Hargrave? Oh, yeah. Which ones? <laughs> so, <laughs> so technically, a, 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 lot of, a lot of the guys, so Louisville, I was still, still kind of open to them. And the um, and only reason I was open to them is because they had two of my guys going there. Um, and that's probably one of the biggest ones that I remember, um, uh, NC State. Okay. And they had another one of our safeties who I really, who I really liked playing with. I was like, I, I could see myself doing that. Uh, is there going to be a ceremony during the game Saturday? Um, they'll do a halftime. So they'll do a um, halftime ceremony where I guess they just introduce everybody in their jackets. And um, I guess we wave to the crowd. Or whatever. I don't know how they'll do it. I've I've never seen one. I'm always in. Obviously, I'm always in the uh, locker room at halftime. But I guess they let them wave to the crowd or whatever. Might introduce them or. What's this like? Hall of Fame, Florida State. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's it's funny to me. Like you want to know what's funny? Is that everybody always talk about the Florida State play, and I'm like, man, that is a memorable play, but like. 
I felt like I had so many more plays than the Florida State play. <laughs> you did. You, know? you did. So I'm like, gosh, <laughs> like I remember it for that play, and I'm happy for it, you yeah. know. But it's like, gosh, but Florida State home hometown team, you know, grew up a diehard. No, actually, you know, yeah. it's, it's just a blessing. You know, it's crazy. I think you have another interview to do, so I don't want to. I don't want to uh, <laughs> infringe on that. But thank you so much, man, for sharing. Oh, yeah. uh, what a great story. Yeah. And uh, I'm honored to, to be able to tell it. Yeah, I appreciate you, Larry. I appreciate you having me. Man, the old saying, it takes a village. It's such a truism that applies to so many lives. And the fact that DMAC had his grandmother, godmother, Dabo Sweeney, others who wrapped their arms around him, just, uh, just an amazing story. And tonight will be an amazing night for him as uh, he's able to be officially inducted into the Clemson Athletics Hall of Fame. Congratulations to him. And also congratulations to all the people who supported him along the way. I'm sure he would say say that as well. Appreciate the support of our sponsors for helping make this happen. And of course, thanks to every single one of you for giving us your time to listen. Cheers. Cheers.